This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble, this is episode number 11 of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. First up, he is an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. Yo, what's up, man? How are you doing, Rod? Pretty good, except they kidnapped Agent Gwen to find out what's actually going on with her all these episodes. I know! Unfortunately, Agent Gwen Reyes is not here. She's supposedly at a quote-unquote tech conference, <laughs> but I don't really believe that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Next up, he is the film channel editor at CraveOnline.com and a co-host of the B-Movies podcast. He also may or may not be a brony, Agent William Bibbs Viviani. Hey, everybody. I, I have My Little Pony earbuds, which you can see here if you if you have this on video. Yeah, I think they're quite delightful. They are delightful. Uh, we are the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, we strive to take both an enthusiastic and critical approach to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a little something for everyone. As always, you can email the show at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That would really help us out a lot. And if you leave us a good review, we will make you an honorary member of the team. We also have a new voicemail line at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback there. Uh, the show is being recorded live at Spreecast.com. To receive updates on, on when we'll be recording live, you can search for Agents of Shieldcast with all, the, with all of the periods in there and sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording. Uh, you can also follow any of us on Twitter for information on when we will be recording live. We will give out those handles at the end of the show. Uh, we are very privileged to be joined by a special guest today. He is the TV channel editor for Crave Online, and you may remember him from when he came on to discuss the episode Fizzed. Blair Marnell, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, Blair. So I have to say, Fitz was the last time I was really happy with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh man. Where'd you get this guy? <laughs> guys, I apologize on behalf of Crave Online. <laughs> well, here's a question for everybody. I think you guys started this podcast because you anticipated loving this show. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Do you love the show? I do. He loves the show. Uh, I find it endlessly fascinating, even when it's bad. I actually believe that as as a critic and as someone who, who likes the entertainment industry, it is probably more interesting to disseminate why something doesn't work than just to say that it's good. So I am routinely involved and interested in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sometimes it actually impresses me and I really like an episode or a plot point or, or something, but more than anything else, I'm just, I think it's, it's neat to talk about. So I had a really horrifying thought while reviewing this episode from last night. 
This may be the show that ABC wanted. It's not necessarily the show ah. that the fans want, but this might be the show that the network wants. I think it's definitely the show the network wants. All right. Well, we'll talk about that more uh, when we dive into this week's episode. Before we get started, though. Way to jump the gun there, Blair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast? <laughs> Before we get started, a huge thanks to everyone who left us a positive iTunes review. Uh, We have a lot of honorary members to induct before uh, we go on winter break. So uh, here we go. I'm going to try and get through these as quickly as possible. First, JPNurse74 left us a five-star review. I believe JPNurse74 is a listener from Canada. The headline of the review is, Great Entertaining Podcast. And the review says, A really great and lively podcast. It doesn't drag or get off track. Just a good discussion of the show. The hosts bring a variety of viewpoints, which keep the discussions lively and entertaining. A great show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, JPNurse74. Sweet. You are our best friend. Yes. As far as I'm aware, we have two or three listeners from Canada. So we are slowly taking over our neighbor to the north. Good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We are uh, pleased to bring you on as the official Shieldcast nurse, because that's in your name. So it must be what you do. (laughs) Uh, You you never know when these discussions might get heated. uh, And we need someone to heal our wounds and our hearts sometimes. So welcome to the team. Uh, next review is from Angelica P. It's a five-star review. The headline is a must listen. The review (gasps) says, I really love this podcast. The hosts are so funny. I always look forward to listening after shield Tuesdays. I like how Angelica calls it shield Tuesdays. It's not just Tuesday. (laughs) It's shield Tuesdays. Yeah. That's actually ABC's new marketing, uh, uh, brand. They're actually trying to get the entire days of the week changed to fit their schedule oh okay. if i knew any other shows on abc i could tell you like oh and and it would also be blank wednesday but i <laughs> i don't really well, care I, I know for a fact it's scandal thursdays and uh yeah shield tuesdays works for me Ooh. all right well thank you angelica p uh, we're happy to bring you on is our expert masseuse Ooh. did you die today why not stop by tahiti and let angelica p resurrect you in the most relaxing way possible oh. <laughs> well tahiti is a magical place yes, yes. <laughs> quite our next review is from dar quandir it's a five-star review the headline says my first and only podcast wow wow I'm sorry. <laughs> you can do so much better than us. We took that podcast, Terry. Have you tried the B-Movies podcast starring William <laughs> Bibiani and Whitney Seibold from Crave Online? You know, uh, uh, we talk some serious shit down there. Or maybe you should try The Black Guy Who Tips with our very own Rod Morrow or Cinema Fix or any of the other podcasts offered on no, no. Geek Radio. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. <laughs> oh B-Movies God. podcast all the way. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes. Well, the review says, this is my first and only podcast, so for me, it is necessarily the best podcast ever! Dark One Deer also requested that I read that as Oprah would. I'm not sure (laughs) how Oprah would read that. You win a best podcast ever, and you win a best podcast ever, and you win a best podcast ever! Oh my god, it's like she's here. (laughs) Oh, you are a funny, entertaining, and a great companion to my programming computers. Anyways, I'm from Paris, France, waiting on Agent Ward to come back. Yeah, you are. Whoa. So we have a a listener in France. Uh, Thanks for the review, Dar. Uh, We're glad to bring you on as the Shieldcast official sex therapist. (gasps) 
uh, Agent Ward could really use your help next time he's in France, and some of us on the Shield cast might come visit you too. How do you All assign right. these jobs? <laughs> they apply when they review <laughs> yeah. the show. They're applying for whatever position we might need. And uh, since she's from France, I'd like to just say um, escargot to you too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. They know what it means. Voulez-vous coucher? <laughs> uh, no. Qui, uh, or, the, or, the, or the French I learned from Freakazoid. Qui a coupé le fromage? <laughs> I took French for four years, and that's literally all I remember. I am embarrassed, and I apologize to our listener in France. Our next review is from Pilch1. It's a five-star review. The headline is quite enjoyable. Uh, the review says... Well-informed, clever, and creative, this podcast is great. I love hearing from the comic experts about theories and possible big bads for the TV show. Keep them coming. And so we shall. How's it feel to be a comic expert, Bibbs and Rod? It feels like uh, I got beat up for a reason now in high school. <laughs> there you go. It, it's, it, it was all worth it, is yeah. what it boils down to. Uh, it, feels, it feels delightful. Appreciate all the sex I passed up on. It feels like a summer day on a winter's afternoon in the fall morning. It feels like asthma. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're glad to bring you on is our genealogy expert. Uh, Need to know who your parents are. Don't get yelled at by Melinda May. Just ask Pilch one. Thank you, Pilch, (laughs) for that review. Our next review is from Mumbles02119. It's a five-star review. The headline is Great Podcast. The review says, I don't agree with everyone on every episode, but what I will say is I find all of the cast to have views that are interesting and well-considered, and they all approach the show from different but fair angles. The podcast isn't just a bunch of fans, but it isn't haters or nitpickers either. Instead, it's a group of people who want to see a good show, but are willing to point out when something really bothers them, and can make me think, huh, that was messed up. They should have done better. In short, this is one of the best podcasts for a TV show that I've heard. Keep up the good work. P.S. I can't hold it back, even if it's time-based. Mike Peterson's coming back. Yes! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike Dog. Thank you, Mumbles. Uh, we're glad to bring you on as our expert speech therapist. If you mumble, call Mumbles. <laughs> Do you think Mumbles is still happy after last night's episode? I don't know. Uh, Mumbles, email shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com and let us know if you're still happy with Mike Peterson. And, and how they handled him. Oh, Mike Peterson, you've failed me for the last time. <laughs> there, there will be no third chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we have two more reviews. Uh, we have a review from Billiam. It's a five-star review. The headline is Evolving. Uh, the review says, In the latest episode, who knew that Agents May and Ward, a.k.a. Agents Warm and Fuzzy, were hooking up on the regular? The show is evolving, and the characters' relationships are drawing me into viewing. The show is good, and it's finding its way on both the TV show and the podcast. Thanks, Billiam! Woo! We are glad to bring you on board as our authority on mutants. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I mean, you, you mentioned the word evolving a lot, so I'm assuming that you're an expert in Darwinism and that you know a lot about mutants and evolution. So, uh, welcome to the team. And our final review is from Adam Paz. It's a five-star review. The headline says, makes the show better. The review says, great podcast, often more interesting than the show itself. The guests are good, too. <laughs> 
Thank you, Adam Paz. Blair, I think he likes you. <laughs> Yay! Very few do. All right. Well, uh, we are proud to hire you as the Shieldcast official helicopter pilot for when we need a chopper to fly away at a really dramatic moment. Welcome to the team, and thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate all of your support. We're very thankful that you've decided this is a podcast worth listening to. Uh, one last thing I'll mention before we dive into this week's episode is that the 2013 Stitcher Awards are now open for nominations. Uh, Stitcher Radio is a great way to access all of your favorite podcasts on your mobile device, or even in, in some cases through your car. And if you like this podcast, all you have to do is go to stitcher.promotw. Dot com and nominate the agents of Shieldcast uh, for either Best Overall Podcast or Best Entertainment and Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, that would really mean a lot to us. Uh, and also, I believe you can vote once a day from now through December 24th. Is that correct? Rod, I know you're on Stitcher. That is absolutely correct. Just make sure you guys go like it um, on Facebook, and then you can uh, vote once a day um, until the voting is over for nominations. Yes, go do that. Go vote every day for the Shield cast or any of the other great shows uh, on Film Geek Radio if you're a fan. But let, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, today we're going to be discussing episode 10 of season 1 of the show. The episode is titled The Bridge. It was written by Shalisha Francis and it was directed by Holly Dale. Agent Rod Morrow, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the quick synopsis of what happened. In a shocking cliffhanger episode, Coulson takes the war back to Centipede, and this time he brings in Mike Peterson for some super soldier support. I like how they they phrase it as Coulson takes the war. Yeah, Centipede, like this is a war going on here, guys. Yeah, except it's 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 really not. Also, is, am I the only one who, whenever you hear the word super soldier, your response just is like, "I'll take the soup." <laughs> Like the soup sounds better. Like super soldiers never go right. Like Captain America is like the the exception that proves that rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't particularly care for this episode, guys. I was I was rather disappointed by this. Am I alone on that? I mean, I know Blair hates everything, but like, uh, no, uh, no, Rod, you know very well that I don't hate everything. Okay, I was being amusing. Uh, but I know you don't care for the show, so I assume you didn't care for this episode? No, it's not that I don't care for the show. It's just I was hoping that this would be the home run that really delivered on the uh, potential that S.H.I.E.L.D. has had from the beginning, and yet this is more like a bunt single, the very worst kind of single to get on base, and a very weak way to close out the first half of the season. I'm with you guys. I was not very impressed with this episode. I'm kind of bored with the show, and... I find myself thinking back to all of the really negative reviews that started at the beginning of the season from from prominent TV critics, and now I'm starting to think, oh my god, maybe those TV critics were right all along, and I just didn't realize it until now because I haven't been reviewing TV as long as they have, and they can spot the signs early. I loved the pilot episode. I thought it had a great potential to be a really fun series, and I'm not having a lot of fun, guys. Well, Rod, do you agree with this? No, I'm, al- I'm alone again. I, I fucking enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I thought it was All right. the season. So I hate to be that guy, but uh, it was extremely enjoyable to me, and it actually tugged at my heartstrings at the end. So it worked. Here, here's the thing about those early critics. I, here's the thing. I think they all had a point, and I think the show didn't start off amazingly. I sort of started off encouragingly at best, and I think everyone who who was decrying the show from... I don't think you can decry a show from the first couple episodes. I think you need to see 
you can decide if it's not for you or not, but like you can't say it's a bad show until you've had an opportunity to watch more of it. And it just so happens that a lot of the critiques that people had of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it began haven't really evolved past that yet. I kept hoping, you know, that the series would grow into itself better than it has. And while I still think it's an okay show, I still don't dislike the show overall. I'm I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to acclimate to its brand of blandness. I'm starting to acclimate. It's starting to seem like an old friend that I see on every Tuesday. And I'm just like, hey, how you doing, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Did anything interesting happen this week? And S.H.I.E.L.D.'s like, well, not really, but here's what happened anyway. And I'm like, I love you, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We've been together for months. I I would agree with that assessment, Bibbs, except I don't know. I'm starting to feel like... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. might not be my friend. Who among us is going to be the first uh, full-time host of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast who leaves the show because they're sick of it? (laughs) Who do you think it's going to be? I'm going to stick it out through at least all of the first season. Okay. But I found myself thinking after last night's episode, you know, if I wasn't doing the podcast, and if the podcast wasn't so much fun, I don't know if I would keep watching. Like, honestly, I look forward to talking with you guys about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more at this point than I look forward to watching the show. Someone should put together, I I think, I think we've had a couple of comments where people said the show is arguably more entertaining than the series, which I'm very, very flattered by, and thank you. Uh, But I'm waiting for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast cast, (laughs) where people just review this series uh, instead of the ABC show. And I think that would be <laughs> really, really great. Here's, here's my thing with this episode. Here's my thing with this episode. Okay. So I watched this show, uh, late. I ended up DVRing it and not watching it until about midnight because, uh, my girlfriend wanted to watch it with me and we, she comes home from work late. So I waited and I kept seeing like online, like, Oh, the news about Coulson and Oh, you have to see this episode. And I watched the episode. And I'm like, no, I didn't. This was an episode that is a prelude to an actual episode. This is a filler episode. This episode only exists to get you to the last scene of this episode. Everything else doesn't go anywhere. Or if it does, it only goes there because it was contrived from the beginning to do so. The second Michael Peterson, J. August Richards, gun. Uh, I'm just going to call him Gun. I don't care. The second Gun says, I do anything for my kid. I'm like, all right, the kid's going to get kidnapped and he's going to betray the team because that's the only way to go from that. And they didn't mix it up at all. They bring the super soldier onto the team. What do we get out of it? A fist fight. Okay. I I mean, I liked seeing him like push the tractor. That was kind of fun. I would have thought that S.H.I.E.L.D. could have afforded an actual heavy weight of some kind. But okay, that's fine. That, that That's totally cool. <laughs> but, uh... It just, it was basically just, oh no, Centipede is doing stuff. Well, we'd better stop them. Oh no, Coulson's been kidnapped. We didn't need the, fir- you could have done that in the first half and gotten to some good stuff and given us a real cliffhanger and not a cliffhanger that's like, hey, you know that stuff we're still, we've been teasing all season? Still teasing it. Yeah, yeah. I will say this in the episode's defense. I did like how they did finally, uh, suggest that Centipede has been behind everything from the very beginning. I like how they brought back everything with the uh, the eye implants. So Centipede is now behind that as well. They're shaping Centipede and the Clairvoyant in particular into the big bad of the season. And I like that we're finally at least getting a little bit of movement. Well, also, that was something that um, I've been talking about is like, 
the revelations that you know whenever they reveal something it has to be kind of worth the payoff or whatever and for me them stringing all of the like these things that seem not to be that interconnected into oh well this organization that we they've clearly been underestimating has been behind a lot of this stuff from the jump like that for me that that worked where i was just like oh wait the i think that was them too okay and this is them and it, it kind of was like okay i guess some of these episodes that felt like procedural or whatever now they're more part of uh someone's sinister plot I do have to add that I think this show badly needs a very strong villainous presence that neither Reyna nor Poe can provide. Yes, we need we need a dastardly supervillain to cut to once in a while to build suspense. I think that's actually a really inter- a really really good point, Blair. I don't think they are supposed to be the big bad. They're the big Reverse. bads that we have so far, and right now they're really boring. Yeah, you when you a lot of like a uh, uh, Whedon shows in particular, they layer the big bads throughout the season. So who seems like the big bad at the beginning of the season isn't the big bad at the end. But when they do it well, th- it's a succession of interesting people. Like Spike and Drusilla were the big bads at the beginning of season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and by the end it was Angel, and they were all interesting characters. Reina is just sort of a pretty typical femme fatale i mean I, I like her okay but she's not enough to hang a series on we don't know nearly enough about this poe guy other than that he likes to eat food unlike the rest of us and the clairvoyant is still a mystery although my my, my girlfriend had a really good idea for how they're going to do the clairvoyant uh when they finally reveal who it is like poe just unbuttons his shirt and it's kuato like Coulson! <laughs> Start the reactor! And I'm like, that, that's actually kind of a cool idea. I kind of hope they almost go yeah, there. Yeah, I like that. We need a more interesting villain. I actually in- entirely agree, and I think there's... I, I talked about we. it would be great if we had a regular presence on the show sort of telling Coulson's S.H.I.E.L.D. team what to do, like being a stern voice of authority that they could... They have to go behind their back, or they have to fight with them, or argue with them. Like, a, a sense of antagonism is what is needed in more of these episodes, because everyone's... Some people are trying to keep secrets from each other. Belinda May was a real bitch this episode. Like, un, like she's mean. I'm like, I, we get it. You're Sky's mom. I get it. Just just, just stop being mean. But, uh, yeah, we need, we need someone to say no. We need someone to pose a regular threat and to sort of twirl their mustache. Well, the one thing this episode I thought did really well is Mike played well with the rest of the characters. He fit into that team so well that I was kind of hoping that they would keep him around and not blow him up at the end. Me too. Okay, he's fine. He's better than fine. He's probably the best actor on that show in the episodes that he's been on. Um, and he single-handedly carried a lot of those scenes uh, with him. He also did a great job with the fighting choreography in the super soldier fight scene. He's a very compelling soldier uh, person. And in that connection that had, that, that he had, the humanizing of him, um, even when he was talking about his son, which I, I'm, I guess to some of you guys is more like a plot prop or whatever. For me, it was more like uh, it made sense because I remembered when he talked about his son and how it sounded like he hadn't seen him. I was like, didn't his son watch him go fucking insane at some point? And, um, yeah, that turned out to be, a, you know, a big deal for him. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of bought into that character and I thought that he played it earnestly. And, and you know, even the turn where he's turning on Coulson, it uh, it was it was almost reasonable. Like, well, this dude's got to get his son back. I, I get it. You know, um, so I, I thought it was great. And uh, when he possibly blows up at the end, I mean, nobody, no death. That's the Marvel rule. But when he possibly blows up at the end, I was like, no, because I really wanted him to join the fucking team. I know on, on Twitter, Rod, you and some of your 
friends were having like it, it seemed like a Mike Peterson Twitter funeral. Yeah, uh, man, so you came you in and tried in to like tell us some other show was better. We didn't give a fuck about that. <laughs> Mike Peterson just died, and uh, these are the black man trying to raise a son, and he just got a job. Uh, and he's just trying to do right by people and get a second chance. So we didn't have time for a debate about uh, the good wife or whatever the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and we needed our time. The uh, Listen, I, I'm with you. I'll pour one out for Mike Peterson when he actually dies. But this was obviously a fake out. If it's a fake back. out, think of this. Then that was the weakest yeah. sauce cliffhanger we've ever seen. Because, oh, Colson, will Colson survive? Yes. Oh, Ward, will he survive? Yes. Mike Peterson, will he survive? Probably not. I think he probably will, actually. I kind of think he will, too. Right. Here, here, here's the thing I, I just want to say, and I, I just want to say I agree with Rod. Uh, Jagos Wizard is a, is a great actor. He's a really, really good actor. And I think that pretty much everything he has on this show is basically uh, uh, basically puffing up the episode, making it seem more dramatic than it really is. But he sells it really, really, really well. And that's one of an actor's jobs is just sort of, look, we just need you to fill time in this scene, make it good. And he makes it good. He makes it really, really good. His son, and, I'm, and I realize he's just a kid, uh, that kid is a terrible actor. That kid was distractingly bad. He's barely in it, but um, yeah. I will say as a, um, something to laugh at, I love that only on TV do people sit in rooms and look at pictures of their families with the TV off because that never <laughs> happens to anyone. I always put the TV on before I look at pictures of my family. That's the important thing. I'm going to go stare at longingly at a picture of my family because I'm thinking about my son, y'all, and I need people to know that I'm thinking about <laughs> Bibbs, yeah. if you think that kid's a bad actor, you should see the kids on Falling Skies. I don't want to. I have no no desire whatsoever. All I could wonder when... They revealed that uh, his kid was kidnapped. I was just thinking, well, what if he hadn't decided to call his son? Were they just going to sit around the house with his kid right. until he decided <laughs> to call? Also, was was there an adult around that got killed? How did they sneak in and get his kid? He said they were, uh, his son was staying with his sister. Yeah, what the hell? I kept expecting them to do the, term, the Terminator 2 thing where they yeah. stand over and it's like a, the sister's horribly fucking murdered in the background. <laughs> That would have been really, really, really great. That would have, see that would have been more dramatic than what they actually did. The show just always like it touches upon really dramatic or really good cliffhanger. Like they, the idea is there, and then just don't go. They don't go the full nine with it. Like I like the idea of a big super soldier fight, like four, like three super soldiers versus Melinda May, Ward, Coulson, and one super soldier, and. It's full of all this place with a lot of destructible materials and huge-ass crates that you could throw across the room or something. And one of them gets nudged once. Yeah. And like, I'm like, what a fucking waste. This was just a fist fight. Anyone, non-super soldiers, could have done 98% of this action sequence, and you, w you wouldn't have known there was a difference. It was just such a tease. I kind of enjoyed it, the fight choreography in that scene. Well, the choreography was fine. It just could have been anyone's choreography. Well, not. Nah, it reminded me of Buffy. She used to go up against like bigger, stronger foes, and it was more in the details of the hand-to-hand -hand combat. Like obviously, uh, they have to avoid every punch from the other guys as opposed to uh, taking a punch. And I like that it came up later between Ward and May. Like, why'd you step in front of that punch? And he's basically like, "Cause you're more of a badass than me." But <laughs> I enjoy that, and it, and I picked up all of that as I was watching it, cause I was intently watching it, even when Mike Peterson gets a pole punched into his fucking ribs. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it, man. So, 
uh, I, I thought it was uh, actually really cool. And uh, you said something earlier about panning back over to the dead sister and stuff. I wonder if they don't do stuff like that because it's, you know, the eight o'clock show for, you know, kids and adults alike. They showed a guy burning alive in episode. The heroes blew up a guy on camera. I, I think, you know what, listen, I don't need to see her her guts spilling all over the floor and the little kid playing in action figures in her lower intestine. I don't need that. That'd be cool, but I don't need that. You know what I could, you know what would have been fine? If you just saw like behind a chair, like two feet sticking out. Uh-huh. Like just limp, like that would have been fine. That would have that would have got the message across. And even in that fight sequence, you like so much. And yeah, I get it. Like you avoid the punches because they're super powered. You yeah. sell the superpowers in other ways. Like they keep hitting those big metal crates and stuff, and they just get really fucking dented or something. And you're like, oh god, yeah, they have to avoid those. It can be less academic than this. But no, because one dude picks up a big ass iron pole with concrete on it and starts swinging at Colson's head. You can only do that if you're a fucking super soldier. No, you can't. Have you ever picked up one of those? They're heavy, but they're not like they're not like superpower heavy. Dog, he was doing it with one hand, dog. No. <laughs> then why can't he pick up something even bigger than that? I mean, come on, really sell the shit. That's my point. It's that they're. Not, it's not that it's not there. It's just that it's not being sold. They're not committing to it. They're not saying let's make this fucking badass. That's all I'm saying. It's like it's there, but it's it, it's not great. It's just the, the the bare minimum that they can do. It was fine with me, and like when they were punching motherfuckers across the TV screen, it sold me. I said, "Oh, these dudes are super strong." I think Ward just broke everything in his body, so I was I was except okay. he didn't. So clearly, they weren't that strong. Well, <laughs> did you send someone flying twenty feet? Uh, I take your word for it. On a side note about Centipede, wouldn't we like it a lot more if the organization seemed to have something behind it the way AIM and Hydra do in the comics? Yeah, and this is my point, is that I think that they're doing this slow reveal of everything Centipede is about, but because they're doing it slow, Centipede just doesn't feel cool. It's like, I remember Joss Whedon once talked about uh, his biggest regret in Buffy the Vampire Slayer was that the they never had the money to make the initiative look good. They never had the money to make the initiative look like a real organization. It always just seemed like a couple of soldiers hanging out in a basement. And I think that's what we're getting with Centipede here. It would be nice to see some infrastructure. It would be nice, excuse me, to see some, like, Alex Luthor type or, or something, like, or Baron Strucker or whatever, like, at the top of the organization, like, really monitoring monitoring it, like looking out over the city in a big banner window, like Sheer Khan and Tailspin, you know, and just like really, really <laughs> selling it. <laughs> I just think it would be awesome. I think that's the only time Tailspin is going to be brought up in a conversation about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> well, now it's a challenge. It's like that every week we kind of jump the gun on stuff because I feel like if we go back a month, we were like, and why don't they do something with Centipede? Like, why can't they be behind more than one thing? And why can't they be more of a, a, a you know, something for S.H.I.E.L.D. to, like, really go after? And now we get that. And it's like, well, where's the big bad behind Centipede? It feels like we're always a, a, ahead of the show. So it sounds like every week we're just complaining, but then they give us some of these things. I disagree, and here's why I disagree, and I think you make an interesting point there. Uh, whenever you're doing with, dealing with a serialized medium, you run into that issue of, I have a problem, maybe they'll fix it down the road. The problem is, the problem exists now. 
This is when the problem exists. The problem that they fixed was the problem of four episodes ago. The problem that they have now is an episode. It, maybe they'll fix it in another four episodes, but it's a problem now. Now the show is dramatically underwhelming. I think you're calling story, like, I think you're calling something a problem that is just the mechanics of just storytelling, period. You know, it's like they tease things, they make us ask these questions. But they do pay them off, maybe not as fast as we would like, but... Then that's not great storytelling. I don't know that that's the problem if it does if it does get revealed. It's, to me, it's only a problem if you don't reveal it. Like I think it's a problem if you stop caring. Bibbs is correct. If we don't find Centipede compelling now, there's no guarantee that we're going to find Centipede compelling when they finally give us a villain to hate. Yeah, okay. I guess I find, I find them compelling and you guys just don't. That's all that is. That's fine. Okay, well, well, Rod, you mentioned that you liked the moment where, like, uh, Ward takes the punch for May, and there's some stuff in this episode about their relationship and how Ward might have deeper feelings for her developing, but it's not really appropriate for the workplace. Uh, and, and also there's a there's a scene that I liked where Coulson is in the car with Ward and he starts talking about the cellist. I thought that was a really nice scene, but none of those threads felt like they really went anywhere in this episode well i mean also you gotta consider not just this episode alone but throughout the season right because they've been building up the relationship elements of it we went from basically none of them pretty much interacting with each other and they're not really being a personal life to any of this to now we have like this uh romantic uh you know semi-triangle thing and and i thought that it it was uh like I enjoy the messiness of it and I enjoy them interacting and the Melinda May scene with Ward, I read it completely different. I read it as May's emotions being exposed because she was the one who was like, Oh, you don't do blah, blah, blah. And, and Ward kind of st- set her straight. Like, no, I did that tactically. Like I'm not a, you know, I'm not a rookie. I'm, I'm a, I understand separating church from state and kind of walks off and, and leave, leaving her to be the one that's kind of like, Maybe May's the one who's a little bit too emotional about this shit. That, that's a good point, you know, I, but Ward right. has shown no, before that he will lie to protect himself, which is uh, when talking with Sky, he said, oh yeah, there was no tr- truth serum. Mm-hmm. He will lie to protect himself that way. So I, I think that he could be playing it cold, but my feeling is that he's probably covering for what he really did. It felt to me like just another tease like oh Mm -hmm. ward and may are having some relationship issues i guess that'll continue to be developed in the coming weeks and i i'm just once again i understand like you have to tease some things but i feel like the show has not really been building week after week towards any real answers I disagree with 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 you, Andrew, and I actually agree with Rod on this one. And while I don't think that the whole Ward May relationship is is all that exciting or anything, I, it's not like really grabbing me the way like a great uh, a suspenseful love subplot will in a, in another show, for example. I, I do think that they're handling it okay. And 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 he's right. We did spend a lot of the early episodes complaining that the interpersonal relationships between these characters weren't very interesting and there really wasn't any drama going on here. And now we have one and we do need to spend a little time actually establishing that and dealing with that and let it be a status quo. It doesn't keep having to move forward every single episode. The way that the characters feel about each other and the way that they interact together and the way that they sort of mix, you know, mix up the dynamic, 
that can be a slower evolution than the plot. The problem is the plot does need to keep moving in order to keep us invested in what the characters are doing in the sack. Also, um, Andrew, if you've ever had an argument with a woman, it is a slowly developing thing. (laughs) (laughs) It can take weeks to play out, so it totally made sense to me. All right. Well, 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 getting back to Melinda May, there is that scene where she really just yells at Sky at Blair. You you mentioned that May is a total bitch this episode. I think that was me, actually. Oh, sorry. That was bit. Yeah. That was you, Biz. Uh, that was probably my least favorite moment of the entire episode. I nearly threw my remote at my television when May said she got she got all worked up, and then she was like, "The truth is." <laughs> There was this musical cue, and and I'm, like, on the edge of my seat, like, yes, please give me something, anything. And then she just says, you have to decide why you're here. (laughs) I almost screamed and threw my remote at my TV. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That reminds me of my least favorite moment in the entire series of Lost, which is saying something, even though I like that show. There's a scene, and I think it's in season five or the beginning of season six, where Locke and Ben are together, and Ben's kind of at a loss. He's willing to just bargain and do anything. He says, fine, I'll tell you anything, anything you want to know. I'll reveal anything about the island. And just Locke Locke looks at him point blank and says, what is the monster? And Ben says, I don't know. And I'm like, damn you! You can't do that, you dicks! You sons of bitches! It was kind of funny because um, I I enjoyed that tease because i i knew i was like there's no fucking way they tell us this this early in this series like mm-hmm. uh, maybe my idea of um when things will be revealed is just like um a longer i've kind of accepted the pacing of the show i think i, I think after what nine episodes ten episodes it's been established that they tease and they tease hard so it's like <laughs> I, 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 I giggled like shit when she did that because i was like of course that yeah, she can't tell us what really happened. That makes sense. I I want to see. I want an Agents of Shield branded nipple clamps. <laughs> Just the tease hard. Can we give tease a quick hard. shout out to L Brothers Media for the best line in the the chat? He tease said the show should be called Marvel's Agents of Tease. Okay, <laughs> L, L Brothers Media. I'm going to say this right now. L Brothers Media. If you can come up with what that acronym means, <laughs> we will give you that award. But only then. Only then. To be fair, Rod, I mean, okay, I I understand that, yes, they can't reveal everything right away. They have to hold some things until later. And also, just in terms of how the show is produced, they didn't know at first that they were going to get a full 22 episodes. So they only planned for 13. So especially when you're in your first season, the first uh, half of that season, it's going to be a little bit more episodic just by nature of the production and the fact that you don't know what stories you're going to get to wrap up. You, you don't know how much time you have to wrap everything up. The problem is, if you're going to have to keep us waiting week after week after week, you have to at least make the week-to-week missions engaging and fun. And that's where the show has been a little hit or miss. Well, that's where, like I said, for for me it's weird because, you know, I watch this stuff, uh, you know, live-tweeted or whatever, and, you know, I'll enjoy it. I'll, you know, people on my timeline, we enjoy it. We all have, like, you know, different ideas and stuff about what's going to happen, what's coming up next. And then it's like I do the show the next day, and it's like, yeah, it was terrible. It's like, what the fuck is happening between, uh, <laughs> you know, those those hours to now? Because it would be okay if it was, like, really just me. 
but it's it's a bunch of people that that i know that are actually enjoying it so i wonder what the disconnect between like you guys and my guys is you know with this show because i a lot of this stuff it works for me and i'm like okay cool this was a good show well some of it is is just having time to reflect on what we've seen i mean you can enjoy the episode and then think back like wait a minute that sucked (laughs) think of how many movies you like and then don't like it later well, it's interesting that you say that, though, Blair. I rewatched these because my wife got behind, and I rewatched uh, a bunch of these episodes the last week, like probably about four or five, and I found them more enjoyable watching them the second time. Like, it actually brought more. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't see how that connected to this. I didn't remember this part. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And it was actually with more time to reflect that I started appreciating the storytelling, especially watching it back-to-back without the week in between. Uh, it doesn't feel as quote unquote teasy because it yeah. you know, it plays out faster. You only you only have to wait an hour basically. Right, no, right. no, I agree. It, I wonder if it'll find a second life on like a Netflix or something like that at some point because you know I think the week wait might be exasperating to people well one of the most teasy uh seasons of any television series i've ever seen and i'll bring it up again was the second season of lost mm-hmm. it was miserable every week will they push the button will they not push the button ah and then you watch it like at, just at home like you just rewatch it and it plays okay actually it, it, it kind of works but um but what you bring up actually i think is a really really relevant thing to any kind of criticism uh, be it TV, movie, book, music, doesn't, doesn't really matter, which is, uh, a lot of people who aren't critics or, or aren't, uh, really enmeshed in the way that these stories are told and don't really study it or anything like that. They just like it and that's fine. But why must we critics find something to criticize? Well, one, that's our job. And two, uh, you know, we, we spent a lot more time thinking about it. And while even, you know, again, I still kind of like the series. I don't love it, but I kind of like it. But when you have to spend like an hour a week talking about an episode that most people can write off as I liked it or I didn't like it or I like these two things about it and that's it, um, you're going to run into talking about all the details. And when you have a really complex production like any TV series or movie is, when you talk about the details, you're going to talk about some stuff that doesn't work. And it's more interesting to talk about the stuff that doesn't work than the stuff that does. If this entire series, web series or podcast was nothing but the stuff we liked, it would be really short and really boring. Yeah, but I take it as uh, I feel like the balance is missing sometimes with these critiques, because if I say I like something, I still would like a listener to get the general feeling that I do like it. As I, and I think a lot of times people walk away like, do they like this show? You know, like, right. Like, that's the thing I get a lot of times when I come on the air because then it's like, well, did you like, you know, because I mean, we probably do a roll call of each week with the, so what'd you guys think about this episode? And pretty much nine out of 10 weeks is going to be, well, I didn't really like it and it wasn't that good. And here's why. And it's like, I don't know that we like, do, do we as a podcast like this show? Here's the thing. And we'll get to the, the wonderful thing that just happened in the, in the chat in a second. I just want to finish this up. Uh, this is the reason why as a critic, and I know a lot of critics don't like giving ratings, star ratings, number ratings, letter grades, whatever, to movies. This is why I actually like them because you're allowed to say whatever you want. You can focus on the thing that's worth criticizing. And then right there in black and white or gold spangled letters or whatever, you can say, but overall, here's what I really, really thought, even if if I focused on the negative or if I focused on the positive, but I still don't think it's that good. You can do that. In a podcast, it's a conversation. It might steer one way or another, and we might get really, really passionate. Uh, let's talk about L Brothers Media's wonderful acronym that he came up with. Yes, he said that we should uh, change the name of the show to Agents of Tease, and Tease 
stands for Tactically Evading Audience Sensibilities Episodically. <laughs> well done! <laughs> yes. That's some good acronyming right yeah. there. That is some good shit. Wow. And fast, too. It only took you a couple of minutes. That's a good one. Getting back to what you just said, Bibbs, do you think for the second half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we should start rating the episodes at the end of the show? I don't think it's necessary, but I understand the inclination to. And if, as as Rod says, he thinks the conversation skews so far into criticism that we get might be misinterpreted as being assholes to the show, which most of us is still at least somewhat like. In Rod's case, you know, he's marrying it. <laughs> but, like, if you if you want to do that, I'd be okay with that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Age of the Shield isn't even, like, a top five show for me this, this, this fall. Like, it's not... But it's, I do like the show. I think when people listen to this show, they go, Rod likes that show. That, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Can I say something that I really liked about last night's episode? Yes, you may, finally. <laughs> okay. Just, just, I really liked the way message. Fitz and Simmons were so into uh, Mike Peterson and his super enhancements. That was yeah. actually very endearing <laughs> to see both of them v- very proud of their creation, so to speak. I really, really, really can't wait to see the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. porn parody. Because <laughs> that scene alone, I'm just like, well, we're getting that one. Yeah. That one's going to be great. That's definitely a Lexington Steel cameo right there. She had a cute, cute sweater in this episode, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she was totally curving out, too. Yeah, oh, no, it was great. But you know what I find really super weirdly distracting? And, and, and we've talked about it before, but I want to keep bringing it up because what the fuck tank top is Melinda May wearing all the time? It's like three tank tops on top of each other. <laughs> like, commit, okay? I get it. It's futuristic. It's a tin polymer blend. Mm-hmm. Why does it need six straps? That's what I want to know. She's a very guarded and layered person. That's what it's telling you. You know, not everybody like onions. It also was funny, too, because... um. They totally undid all of the, maybe she's loosening up, guys. They did that one episode with the Halloween uh, theme. Like, they totally were like, no, she's back to being a motherfucker. And she yeah. no, she has no time or sympathy for Sky and her parent uh, storyline. Um, and I felt like that was very cathartic for a lot of the audience. Was it cathartic? I thought it was distracting. Yeah, actually, I, that that moment felt very false to me. That that. That scene where she made Sky cry and Sky runs away in tears. Yeah, I'm not buying that. That's not working for me. You could have justified that more, you know? It felt like Melinda May had to be super upset at Sky's continuous uh, inquiries about her parents in that scene, much angrier than she had any reason to be, unless she's Sky's mother or something. Which she probably is, but let's let's just move on from that. Well, I uh, think, the, oh, wait. I, I just yeah. want to investigate this. I think. That happened because she was mad that she got exposed by Ward as being the one who was not being professional about their relationship. I didn't see any connection between that and Sky, though. It was exactly one second after uh, Ward walks off kind of with that, yeah, motherfucker, you're the one that is emotionally compromised. I got my shit together. And Sky just happens to walk in right at that moment where she possibly could have even overheard their conversation and... That I thought Melinda May's reaction was to that, not just, I'm going to be mean for no reason, but like, bitch, I'm so sick of you, and I'm embarrassed a little bit. I agree that was probably a delayed reaction to uh, her conversation with Ward. I, I just felt that it went over the top, and like when it gets to the point where <laughs> Coulson's knock, like, getting close to knocking on Sky's door, and he hears her crying, so I'm like, okay, come on. 
Yes, like Sky's reaction to me was even more mind-boggling than Melinda May's reaction. I was like, really, Sky? You're going to go to your room and cry now just because Melinda May yelled at you a little bit? Grow a backbone. You're part of but S.H.I.E.L.D. Sky is the sensitive one. She's the one who talked the lady through the door about her fucking poltergeist stalker dude. Like, they are painting her as the person that cares, and that's what the fuck happened. She cares. She's not a cold-hearted, shield black bastard like everybody else. Not everybody else. Fitz and Simmons are, are, are very open emotionally. Agent Coulson is, too. They would have cried. Well, Coulson wouldn't have cried, but those two may have cried, too. But even they have shield training because she's the outcast. The whole prank episode is uh you're you've never been properly initiated in the shield you're not really one of us so it made sense to me that she would go to the room and cry how long does it take to become a shield agent this is one of the and i appreciate that 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 michael peterson isn't a full-fledged shield agent yet but they consider him mission ready you know under supervision after it, it it seems like it's more or less real time it seems like it's been a couple of months right Yes. Doesn't it take years to become an FBI agent? Shouldn't it take longer or be harder to become a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Refresh my memory. Wasn't Mike in the military at some point? Didn't they establish that? Yeah, but you still have to go through the the process again. Well, he's not really, like you say, he's not full-fledged S.H.I.E.L.D. Two, Coulson runs the quirkiest, un- most unorthodox team, which is why Sky's even on the fucking plane in the first place. Everyone thinks it's a bad idea except Coulson. That, like, that's pretty much the theme of the show is... Colson has a lot of quirky ass ideas and for some reason Nick Fury is allowing him to to do these. So, you know, a lot of the shit that I mean, not to make it make it a catch all, but a lot of the shit that seems like well that seems like a terrible idea is acknowledged in the show and and it's just kinda like, but that's what Colson does and you know, it's either accepted or don't, you know, but that's definitely the point to all that shit. Somebody brought up the sense of scale for the show, and I think that at this point, there are times, like in this episode, where it makes sense to bring in some support agents, even if they're not fully fleshed out characters, but it should not just be these five or six characters flying around on a plane all the time when they clearly need some support. Agreed, agreed. That's also part of Agent Coulson's uh, quirkiness, though, right? I mean... <laughs> are you going to use that as an excuse for everything? Like, he's quirky! But he is so anti-establishment with his shit like that is the only like if if they could do a other plane agents of shield and that would be even more boring than this because shield is very black and white it's very procedural it's very you know we have to do this we have to do that and Mm -hmm. his whole thing is i do shit a little bit different so it makes sense that he's like i don't want to have backup on this i think where we will see it is when they come back and you have victoria hand hopping off the plane and being like who's in charge here this is what this is how shield does and i think we'll get some culture contrast between the way that colson does things and the way shield does things i think it was established also in the hub when they went there and pretty much the theme of that fucking episode is shield has a way of doing things that's cold and clinical and colson has a way that is warm and fuzzy and nobody really respects it or understands why he gets to do that but that but that is what makes this show interesting I feel like the tail is wagging the dog a bit in, in that argument. And I see what you mean. You know, they are trying to establish that these characters are different and that Colson is quirky. And that's that's fine. But at the same time, there does need to be a sense of internal logic and external logic. If he's going to exist as an anti-establishment person, as you say, within a, a very rigid establishment, there are going to have to be concessions to that. We had a whole episode about that. and It was actually one of the better episodes of the season. Even in, Even in this episode, Biz, Melinda May was pretty much in every fucking scene. Like, 
this is not how we do things and it's and stupid and yet we did it anyway not because it made sense but because the show's budget couldn't afford it they did it anyway because she he's chain of command he's a he's a header i don't even think it's a budget consideration because the bridge scene and all this stuff had a lot of explosions and had a fucking helicopter take off shoot a dude in the chest like it wasn't just it wasn't cheap it really it seemed to be done that way purposely now maybe y'all don't agree with it but i didn't take it as these dudes are clearly uh they they clearly just ran out of money and didn't want to take the time to do this. I took it as they they scaled uh Colson wanted this scaled down and the only way for them to make this mistake, quote unquote, where we find out whatever the fuck's going on with Colson or get in a situation where we can uh, investigate it is for him to make this mistake. I will say I, I that I I'm very curious about the budget for the show because they've done three bottle shows out of the first 10 episodes. Like three episodes have taken yeah. place largely on the shield plane. Mm-hmm. out of the out of the first 10 i'm like mm, it's kind of unusual yeah that's something i've been wondering about as well i'm glad you brought up the budget uh because biz i don't know how you feel about this but i kind of feel like over the past two to three episodes the show has fallen back more into that sort of flat visual style from the first few episodes it has it hasn't been as distracting but blair's right we've had a lot of bottle shows uh which are shows which pretty much just take place using the original sets that you already have so you don't need to spend a lot of extra money you don't need a lot of extra actors you don't need a lot of extra visual effects and shows often do that when they're told hey we're running out of money for the season if you want the money to do this really cool thing later you got to cheap out a little bit and write some more self-contained episodes that's very, very, very common, and I don't assume that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is free from that. I assume at some point they do have to worry about money. And I that's that's my whole point, is that you know when you're making a series, especially when you're making a series that is as ambitious as S.H.I.E.L.D. clearly wants to be, you're going to have to make some concessions down the line, and sometimes those concessions are saying, we should have backup. Yeah, but we can only afford this one actor, so we'll say, uh, we'll say we only need this one. Really? We could still like get like a whole squad of guys, and wouldn't that even be even better than just having the one guy? No, 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 it wouldn't. But why? Because I'm quirky. Well, why are you quirky when it's a really bad idea? Because I'm quirky! But also, it's, uh, he, did, he wouldn't have wanted to do that because S.H.I.E.L.D. would not have gone along with that shit. And dude's son would have probably got fucking killed. S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't give a fuck about that little boy and his daddy, man. Like, they're looking for bigger fish to fry, in this case, uh, Centipede. So I think it would have totally gone down differently if the, if S.H.I.E.L.D. had gotten involved. They sent two of his agents on a mission where they were supposed to not come back. That's how S.H.I.E.L.D. handles shit. They acceptable casuals, casualties. And we, if anything, throughout this show, I feel like we should have accepted or learned that Coulson would not accept any those that level of uh, casualty or callousness in a mission. Here's what I'm going to say to that. Here's my only response to that. When you say that, like, if they hadn't, if Coulson had let S.H.I.E.L.D. do their S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, their establishment thing, and potentially put the kid's life at risk, Coulson would not have been kidnapped, Ward would not have been shot, Gunn wouldn't have had an opportunity to betray the team, and the kid very well might have survived. These are professionals. Yeah, I don't think so. They've proven that they don't give a fuck about that kind of stuff. And also, him risking his own life is not that big a deal to him. Like, it's... I, I, at this point, he's, you know, like compared to losing a kid, I think he's proven that. He's proven that he will take chances for his people that his, uh, you know, superiors and that shield as a unit would not do. Did you guys catch the I moment where, where, uh, where Colson yeah, says, no, don't kill Raina or else you'll never see your, your son again. And then he's in the car just a couple feet away. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that was that was kind of cute. But uh, I'll say uh, this: I was actually yeah. a little disappointed that they went with the whole Mike Peterson actually goes through with the betrayal of the team by sending Colson over instead of himself because I thought it was very refreshing when coming back out of the commercial break. He's like, "Here's what's going on to the team." He didn't try to make it a secret. He didn't try to lure them into a trap, or I guess technically right. he did. He could have told Colson, "Hey, listen, this is what they want to do." We could, if nothing else, they could have at least tagged Colson as well with their super secret. You know, smell array vision serum, you know? There's literally no reason why. Like, Skolson would have been like, yeah, all right. I agree that they could have written it that way also. Like, that was one of the things, um, and maybe they, I, th- I felt like that was contrived to get the audience to lower their guard because I did. I was like, oh, cool. Well, they know about it. They're in on it together. They'll come up with a plan and work this thing out. And then when the betrayal on the bridge comes, I'm like, ah, fuck. Like, you know, like, Hmm. I was believing in you, and now uh, you're going to go ahead and betray him. And, uh, you know, writing, it might have been like, you know, writing themselves into a circle or whatever, but for the moment that it worked on the bridge for me, uh, I totally bought the betrayal. I felt betrayed. Like, I can't believe Mike doing this shit. See, as much as I had some problems with this episode, I really liked Mike on this team, and I'm hoping that they'll find a way to keep him around because, frankly, he added a lot to it. I mean, he's, his presence on the show made it, made it very obvious how underdeveloped a lot of these characters are, especially yeah. Ward and May, who I like both of those characters, but, man, we're, we're not getting much out of them. Ward and May are written and played very guarded and secretive. Like, that's one of the reasons the relationship subplot adds a lot to those characters for me, because now I know they have something to protect, and I know what they look like when they're protecting secrets. And it's like, okay, these motherfuckers are just secretive about everything. They are battle-tested agents. Bringing Mike in with his family storyline and with his, you know, the the background from the story one, uh, episode one, it really uh, was refreshing, not to mention J. August Richards can just fucking act circles around motherfuckers. Yeah. And they give him more to do because they're not so worried about teasing his character as just having a compelling character on the screen at all points uh, that he's on there. I would love to see him added to the cast. The only thing that worries me is kind of like, you know, people like Bibbs. If you do have a super soldier on the screen, they're going to need to see super soldier shit on the rig. You can lift shit. Come on, get a pulley. Yeah, I'm not saying that's bad for the record. I'm okay. saying the one thing that might keep them from putting him on the team is this idea of, okay, what does he do this episode? Because he needs to do some super shit or people can lose their shit. It would actually be harder mm-hmm. to justify keeping him around. But if, if Peterson ever loses the centipede attachment on his arm, then he probably wouldn't have any superpowers left. Right. Well, here's the thing. They actually give us a really good out for that with with Mike Peterson, which is that if he does use his powers, he crashes like immediately afterwards, like he's useless afterwards. So he ha- so he can't just use them willy nilly for no reason. You can't just see him like hanging around in the hangar, like lifting Lola for fun or anything. You know, he's got to actually save it for a good moment. That would be fun. But like you need to save it for the right moment. And so you you yeah, you can do maybe one use of the powers per episode at most, if that. Uh, but I agree. I agree with 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 Rod Morrow. I think he is a brilliant, sexy man. I agree <laughs> that J. August Richards is what we needed. Yes. You put go ahead and you can put that on your biography. Uh, I think I think that Jagus Richards really was a good shot in the arm. And and I do agree that this cast, even though it's already pretty broad, it needs to expand a little bit, even if it's just someone who's like a supporting, like not quite regular, you know, like someone who's there every week or two or something, just to give it a little little something extra. And I thought uh 
Mike Peterson was a really good character for that. I like the idea of having someone with superpowers on the team. I think it changes the dynamic. I think it raises the stakes for what you expect from the action sequences and what they'll have to give us. I think he's a fantastic actor. I like seeing a black guy on the show. I actually, yeah, like, come did on. They, like, did you nah. they brought up uh, Amador from a few episodes ago, the one with that, the cyborg eye? Yeah. I like that the show um, is becoming self-referential, like, you know, because they need to reference the stories they're building up. And I would like for them to kind of stay away from the movie stories as much as possible, because it can't just become a gimmick to support Marvel movies every month or so or every, you know, six months. It it does need to stand on its own. And they have built interesting characters that I do want to see again. Uh, Mike Peterson being one of those. And I, I hope hopefully they can come back with uh, some more. But uh, even if Amador joined the team, I would be okay with that, too. I, and the team needs to be more diversified. Yes. Andrew, talk. Mike Peterson knows how to wear a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he showed up to his first day in a suit. That was yep. Yep. awesome. That's like every brother that has been unemployed for a few months that is <laughs> a little over eager walking in that door. He's like, I need this shit to work. I got child support payments to send to my son. I brought my own lunch. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I got a bag here. My suitcase only has lunch in it. I was just excited the second they showed him on the screen. Even pushing that tracker, tractor, I was just like, yes, let's get my man back involved, man. And, uh, and, it, and the thing is, like, in the moment, that bit bridge blowing up, and God, I hope, I hope he's alive. But that bridge blowing up hurt the fuck out of me. Like, I was just like, because you know how you could just feel the music swelling. He does the watch my son. I'm going to go back and make this right. And you're like, there's only 30 seconds left in the episode. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, no. As he ran across that fucking bridge, man, I need. Right. And then in the, the preview for, you know, the show after the fall break, they show Colson, they show May, they show Ward. They do not show Mike Peterson. I'm fucking freaking out for a month. <laughs> My favorite Mike Peterson moment, I just want to say, because it was a little thing, but I thought it was really, really likable. Uh, when you when we see Mike Peterson, when it cuts to him pushing that tractor, and then he says, hey, how was my time? Did I beat Captain America? And the coach is like, not even close. And then there's just this moment, the moment after that, where he looks like a little bit sad, and then he grabs the tractor and starts pulling it back. <laughs> yeah. like, he still has to pull it. Like, so you can drive it. Like, you don't have to do that. It's like, no, I'll do it. I'm the martyr. <laughs> I love that shield basically has a football field where they do the combine to test their agents <laughs> and he's so good they put a tractor behind the football pad that that he pushes down the field it's just that's hilarious all right quick question if mike peterson is really dead what is going to happen to his kid we're assuming that his sister is dead. Is Sky just going to be like, hey, I'm this random lady you met once who used to live in her van. I'll take care of you. I mean, what, what's what's going to happen? Dude, that would be the left. death of this show. They, they they bring the kid on to live with them and Mike's gone. It's like, yeah, yeah no, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> in the comments, Sparger just pointed out that Mike has an ex-wife. Oh, that's right. For some reason, uh, her, his son was staying with his sister and not the ex-wife. So that we don't know what's up with her. Sky is going to become a shield agent and leave the kid in an orphanage and the kid will forget that he had a dad and then we'll have agents of shield 2040. See, I'm thinking they can just do like the Kazis and add a baby to the show when the ratings drop. Yeah, that that always works really well. <laughs> that works like when it happened in Married with Children or the Brady Bunch. Yeah, that was a great idea every single time. Just like in the in the middle of a world crisis, uh, it's like, "Oh no, 
Graviton's back. And then the kid's like, oh, we have to change these diapers. Please. And you're like, oh. I remember when uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica started, they in like the pilot episode in that miniseries, they had a little kid in there. They, they were like, oh, well, we can have this little kid and we can have him running around and find some way to do it. And he was written out by the second episode and they never talked about it again. <laughs> and on the commentary track, they said that was a huge mistake. We had nothing to do with that character. And as far as we're concerned, he died of cholera off screen. <laughs> so that's what's going to happen to Mike Peterson's kid. He just dies off screen and no one gives a crap. That's like uh, Judy from family matters when uh she just goes upstairs one episode and never comes back <laughs> i don't even know who that is uh yeah um look it up man she had a wild life she ended up doing like porn and everything but they had contract negotiations and they were not she wanted to get paid and she they were like go to your room and literally you never see that little girl again <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe Sky will never emerge after crying in her room. <laughs> or what if she came out of that room and was played by a better actress? Oh, there you go. Oh, man. Now, that would be like the Fresh Prince, where they switched Aunt Viv from a dark-skinned lady to a light-skinned lady. And um, the only time it was acknowledged was Will walked in the kitchen one day and goes, Wow, Aunt Viv, you look different. And that was it. And I love that joke from the Fresh Prince. Aunt Viv, you look different. Yeah, the end. The the next five seasons, you know. Well, they do that on uh Saturday, on uh weekday soap operas, like on Bold and Beautiful or As Well Turns or whatever. You know, they would have a baby, and the baby would be a baby for a couple of years, and then the baby would be a ten year old for a couple of years, and then the baby is eighteen because there's no interesting stuff to do with the characters between those those points. <laughs> so like, and they'll always do, and they always do it in the summer. They would always do it in the summer so that any like teenagers who are sitting at home with their parents watching it might have someone to like wrap their head around and that's where like jordana brewster got started and shit but like you know they'll always have this moment where they introduce the new teenage versions of the 10 year old you saw last year and they'll just say wow they grow up so fast anyway about that heart transplant (laughs) (laughs) they just sort of gloss over it we don't care move on now did you guys watch the um fall preview thick clip they have after the show oh you mean the uh uh, the, the trailers for the next uh half of the season you mean right yeah. I kind of half-watched it. I saw Sky like, hopping out of a car, and she's, like, it looked like Lola, and then she was in all black, like, shield gear. So I'm wondering if uh, they're going to do something with her character now where, you know, yeah. Melinda May broke her heart, and now she's realized she has to become a cold-blooded uh, person to, to grow up. Here's my dream of what happens after the fall preview. It cuts forward, like, a year. That would be really cool. Yeah. That would be really, really cool. Everyone just gets to jumpstart. Sky can be a full agent. The characters can be in some different interesting places. They'll probably do that eventually, no matter if the series goes on long enough. They did it on Alias. They did it all over the place. It would be neat. And I think it would be a good way to inject some drama into it. It might be a little too soon for that. The thing that I noticed in that uh, teaser, and I'm, I actually freeze-framed it, tried to figure out what the fuck it was. Anyone else notice that like wristband the with a blue in jewel box. in it? Is, is any, is any comic book fan recognize that? Because I was looking at that, I'm like, that's not an Infinity gem. It looked like Wonder Woman's bracelet. It looked a little bit like Wonder Woman's bracelet, right? I'm sure it's probably something they just made up for the show and they're teasing us with, but if anyone has any theories, let me know. I'm curious. Tweet me. You yeah, know? I'm, yeah, I would love to know what the fuck that was, because I stopped it on that. Um, also, it looks like we're going to get some Veron- um, Victoria Hand. Yeah! Like in her. and uh, regulating shit, and I'm pretty sure she's not going to be too pleased with the way that last op was handled. 
or the um, general state of that team. So uh, It's a good thing Colson's kidnapped. It saves me the trouble of firing him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Biz, I really hope you're right, and they do come back, and it's like a year later. Or even just some period of time. Yeah, like, give it, give it, like, because it'll feel more serious if, like, Colson's been missing for months. You know, like, it'd be cool. It'll also just act as a series reboot. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we've we've done ten episodes. We understand there are a lot of problems. We're gonna reboot it, and we're and that's going to allow us to just fix a lot of this stuff. Well, also, in addition to fix, it allows you to mess stuff up, which I think is more important to good storytelling. We'll we'll now have two questions: not just what's going to happen in the future, which is all that we ask right now, but what the fuck happened in the past with some of the like. We can go, well, you know, maybe we come back and Melinda May and Ward aren't even fucking talking, or... Maybe she's pregnant! Yeah, like, exactly. All kinds of shit that can happen in a period of time. I would love to see that, you know? I'd love to see if, uh, you know, who becomes the captain of the ship? Like, who, you know, who takes over? And and what happens to the team? Will they consider dispersing them or spreading them out? I would like to see that. Who who the fuck cares about Sky if not for Coulson? Is she even fucking worth putting on the team? Like... I would love to see what happens if they fast forward a bit. Melinda May is just going to kick her out the plane. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, I think that's a bit of pretty good discussion of this midseason finale. Uh, just to kind of wrap things up with this first batch of episodes for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I want to ask all of you guys, um, what's, what has been your, your least favorite episode of the show and what's been your most favorite episode of the show? So, Rod, why don't you go first? I don't know, man. Like, as far as most favorite, it's got to be between um, this and the hub for me. Um, I just really enjoy it when they, uh, the fun and the, the, the scene changing in the hub. And then for this one, um, I just love Mike Peterson, man. Like, the more Mike Peterson, the better the fucking show will be for me. <laughs> as an actor, J. August Richards is killing that role. But also as a character, he's one of the few people they don't have to tease to get us to watch so he's he feels fully fleshed out immediately so i you know those are probably my my favorite and least favorite i don't know man i um give me a second to look at this uh the at the show listing and i'll i'll give you i'll give you a least favorite all right blair what is what's been your favorite episode and and what are your least favorite episodes oh the favorite episodes easily the pilot that was for me one of the great pilots this fall and what gave me really great hope for this show and maybe it's because it's so fresh in my mind, but I'm probably going to say that this was my least favorite episode because they said that, oh, yeah, we're going to course correct, and the midseason finale is going to be the new shield. Where it's going to be great, and it wasn't great. It wasn't even good. It wasn't even good on its own terms. And that's all I really ask is a good story. They're not delivering. And we just need better and more interesting characters and more involving and compelling stories. I hope that the show delivers in the second half. I really do. But... I'm I'm starting to lose faith. All right, Bibbs, what about you? My favorite episode is uh, the asset, which introduced Graviton, because that's kind of what I wanted from the beginning, is I wanted to find them a way to put this series inside a, a larger Marvel continuity in a way that felt appropriate to the series and like introduced at least one character from the comics who wasn't in the movies, because I'm a geek. I like comics. I, I was excited to see what villains might show up in the series, and... Graviton was actually kind of a neat idea. I'm looking forward to seeing him again at some point in like proper Graviton form. So that would be my favorite episode. As for my least favorite episode, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of duds. I like Fitz. Okay. 
Uh, I liked the hub okay. I think, oh, you know what? The, the well. The well fucking sucked. I'm just going to say it. The well was terrible. The well was misadvertised as a proper tie-in to Thor the Dark World, and it was a lie. Uh, the All the backstory with Ward's character was really pretty useless and lame. Uh, while I really liked uh, Peter Nichols, uh, or Peter, is it Peter Nichol or Peter McNichol? McNichol. Peter McNichol. I really liked his cameo. I thought he was good in it, but overall, the episode just felt useless and annoying. So that's probably my least favorite off the top of my head. Yeah, I was actually uh, uh, very disappointed that Thor episode as well. They Everybody thought it would be the giant ice creature at the end of Thor. No, it's something else. Yeah, what happened to that thing? That was a great tease at the end of Thor. There's a monster loose in London, and we just, it's fine. This is becoming one of my problems with fucking comic book stuff and Marvel in general. They gotta stop putting shit out into the world to hype up things people are already gonna watch. It's really ruining shows and movies for people because it's like, well, look at we cast now and look at uh, we're going to find out about Colson. And then people like tune in and like, well, we don't really find out what's going on with Colson. This is like a tease for when we might find out about what's going on with Colson, which won't be for another fucking month. And it leaves people with a more bitter taste in their mouth than I think they would. If you know, if you don't bring up Thor at all before in the tease to the well. I think The Well's a solid episode, you know, like, there's a lot of good fighting, there's good action, uh, Peter McNichols is a very funny, um, character, you know, actor that people seem to love, uh, there's ties to the, you know, the Asgardian stuff, but when you bring up, uh, Thor The Dark World came out two weeks ago, and this episode is like that, but, but in a TV show, and you know, and, and people walk away and they go, fuck you, so, that, they need to stop doing that, people are watching the show, like, it's not even, they don't, they can't even, they don't even have the excuse of, well, the ratings are so bad. We can't get anyone to watch. Everyone's fucking watching the show. Stop doing that. <laughs> well, think about how many episodes of The X-Files ended with a tease on next week. Mulder and Scully might kiss. Right. Right. Like, think of, it was every week and it was at the height of the show's popularity. I'm like, knock it off. You're just making us pissed off that they're not kissing. I want to see him, ca- but not not like a fake dream kiss either, or like oh it's okay because that's when like Scully was on the Titanic. Like no, a real kiss, not a New Year's Eve kiss, a real fuck off kiss. <laughs> God damn it! But yeah, that I think they're doing themselves a disservice because um I saw the article about fi- we'll finally find out what's going on with Colson. I didn't even read the article because I was like that wouldn't even make logical sense to do that now like it is the cliffhanger episode for every single show that is on tv right now this is this this is when you do your your show that is two parts everyone's gonna do it and these motherfuckers are like nah this is where we tell you the answers no one wants to hear that shit like this you're not going to be able to write it that way and then when when it when they don't you, you end up with a lot of people that are like well that was a waste well, you can, here's the thing. You can answer a question. Like, they could have answered a big question about Colson. Maybe not everything, but you can answer a question. This is how good serialized storytelling works. You answer a question you've been asking for forever, and it raises more questions. Right. You could have said, hey, Colson, you know, yeah, Colson's a robot would have been, like, whatever. But, like, yeah, turns out you're not really Colson at all. Right. Well, what am I? Teaser. Done. You know, the episode's over. Fine. We know he's not really Coulson or something. We've got something out of it, and it just raised more questions. That's what you do. And the problem I have is they already did the episode. They fucking know it's not going to end like that. So why release a press release to tell me it's going to end like that? Because they're fucking assholes. That's why. Because that's how TV marketing works. It's cruel. 
Like to me, if you sell someone a bill of goods and they tune in expecting that bill of goods, you can only get so mad at them for being like, this is what you told me was going to happen. So, um, and by the way, uh, I've come up with my least favorite episode is Girl in the Flower Dress. The first Raina episode. Yeah, yeah, I think Raina is not that compelling, although I do find her attractive. She's not that compelling of a character. She seems like very middle management. It's almost Whedon-like because she's not just the evil character. It's kind of like, who who's the, the big bad for season four, Buffy, the, the goddess? It was Adam. Season five had the goddess. It was Glory. Glory, yeah. It's kind of like Glory where they spent the first half of, of the season with Glory just showing her as like, an attractive lady who prone to temper tantrums and shit, but not, you know, she wasn't the goddess of destruction killing everybody. She wasn't ripping out hearts. And then they make a switch where it's like, she's evil. It feels kind of like if if they're not leading up to that with Raina, then they need to cut the shit out because she's not really carrying the scenes. Like she, she, it seems like she's written to be flirty and smiley and, and that's it. She's written to be enigmatic, and it's hard to get attached to someone who is really enigmatic. Right, yeah. So I, this was the start of her in Girl in the Flower Dress, and um, this is one of the episodes where I just felt like they really didn't do a lot. Yeah, I think the worst episode is either the Girl in the Flower Dress or The Well. Rada, I know you say that without the Thor tie and stuff, it's a solid episode. I disagree. I think it's still bad, regardless. In terms of favorite episodes, uh, Bibbs, I agree with you. The Asset was a lot of fun. Um, I also really liked Fizzed just for the character stuff between Fitz and Simmons and The Hub just for how it built the world. I think my perfect ideal version of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be a mixture of Fizzed and The Hub where you're getting good character stuff but you're also getting some pretty cool plots that really just kind of expand the world and show off some cool gadgets and are just fun. And for the record, guys, listening, Andrew does hate Thor 2 and The Hunger Games 2. <laughs> I hate Thor 2. I do not mm-hmm. hate The Hunger Games 2. I merely dislike The Hunger Games. You guys go read the review. You'll see what I'm saying. All right. Well, um, let's move on to some listener questions and feedback. Uh, if you're in the chat room right now, feel free to submit any questions or issues that you'd like us to discuss. Uh, first things first, we had a voicemail a few weeks ago that I've been meaning to play. Uh, I want to make sure we get to it before the winter break. Um, it's from a listener named Doug in Canada. Yeah, this is Doug from uh, Canada. I'm a fan of the of Shield podcast, and I want to leave a quick message. That message being, I think it would be pretty cool if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. introduced Loki in the show, kind of the same way Star Trek series used um, Q, kind of to pop in and uh, cause some trouble and just be... Uh, humorous, entertaining, and if that would happen, I would be pretty excited. Um, let me know what you think. What do you guys think of that? You can't do that. One, because Tom Hiddleston is too big of an actor to do the shit. Um, but then two, <laughs> because Andrew hates that character now. and uh, <laughs> I, I love wanna, Tom Hiddleston. I don't want uh, to even fucking deal with any of that on the Age of the Shield show. <laughs> I'm going to say it real, real fast. I agree. There's no way Tom Hiddleston is going to make the time to be a series regular or nothing. A cameo would be cool, but what are you going to do? I think what he's right about is we need someone like Loki. Mm. We need someone who's like a real proper villain or really just an interesting, fun, bad guy. Whoever the clairvoyant is needs to be that guy. Definitely. I avoid spoilers and casting shit. Marvel, just don't even tell me. But whoever they do cast, 
however they write that role it is so fucking important that they nail it because i think what people lose focus of because you know we're looking at this shit week by week but all of these shows that we do worship that we do love a lot of them got off the auspicious starts but if you can just nail that big bad those last four to five episodes those you know those cliffhanger like these guys that you learn to you know know their names are in peril and this guy is the one who's doing it if you can just nail that it'll save fucking everything but i i need them to nail that like it like you guys are all like oh rogers loves the show but i'm telling you if you don't even want to know how fucking mad i'll be if this show season ends and it's not good i hope i'm just withholding all this shit because i'm like i have to give them a chance to tell their story if they fuck up the end of this series and this big bad is is no big deal then i will unleash the fires of hell on these motherfuckers <laughs> all right well uh we we also got a couple of emails from a listener named thomas uh here are a few highlights in which he gives his thoughts on this week's episode he says quote uh, i greatly enjoyed this episode this is the episode agents of shield fans have been waiting for this episode had purpose and you felt the distress for the characters i like the call back to the previous episodes they need to make j august richards a regular character he's such a good fit uh, looks like there's a new shipper relationship on the rise. It's clear Simmons wants some Mike Peterson in her life. Highlight <laughs> of the episode was when May told off Sky and made Sky cry. I rewound that scene twice. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, uh, that that shit was good for all the people that have been like a bit annoyed with Sky. I've been waiting on her to get cussed out for quite a while, and uh, it was good to see it happen. Well, Thomas also says, "quote I know Sky is supposed to be the visual representation." For the audience, however, I feel more of a connection to the Mike Peterson character than I do Sky. Do you think it would have been a better choice for the writers to have used the Mike Peterson character as the bridge character instead of Sky? I think what he means is, would it have been better for Mike Peterson to be the audience surrogate? Uh yes, yes, yes. He's a better actor, I think, but no, kind of because they would have written him differently, and he would have been annoying person with teasing storyline who ask a lot of bad questions it's not just the person really it's the role and i don't know that the role is written to to a point where it wouldn't be annoying how about this what if it why does it have to be either or what if mike peterson and sky had joined the team at the same time that would have been so much that would have been great that would have been a lot better but but keep in mind they would have written mike peterson with more teases in you know what i mean like the reason I think everyone resonates with him is because he's a fleshed out, complete character right away. Well, no, no, no. Well, yeah, but see, at the end of the pilot, they could have been like, hey, Mike Peterson, you you have this uh, extremist stuff. You've been part of Centipede. We want to keep you around with us to question you, maybe slowly bring you into part of the team. You know, instead of having him be off at some training facility or whatever, off screen for, for nine episodes. For the record, we agree. Nobody wants to see Mike Peterson on the show more than me. What I'm saying is it's not like it becomes absent, like the show, some other person comes in and writes his part. You know what I mean? Like the same people that you guys are kind of saying are fucking up these other characters would then have what fuck up Mike Peterson so kinda, you know what I mean it's a catch 22 like I would love eight more episodes of Mike Peterson I don't want him to be like oh and now we have to talk about his ex-wife and tease that at the end of every episode like 
I don't need that shit in my life. <laughs> so you're saying you you wouldn't trust the writers not to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. He would be a different character. Like he's he's cool, like a fucking um, you know, he's cool like the Fonz or some shit. You know, he just comes in, does his part, acts the shit out of it, and he's out of there. And I I like I like that about the character, but I just think that if he joins the team, I'll have to start coming in here every week and listen to you guys. Be like, when the fuck are we gonna find out about his wife and what's going on with his son? And I'll be like. Oh my God, why'd they do this? Why'd they bring him on? <laughs> He's right. We shouldn't trust the writers. They haven't given us a whole lot to, to hang on them. And I'm really surprised because this is a really talented group of people. I thought the show would be a lot better, but my feeling is more likely they're delivering the show that ABC wants, which is not necessarily the show that we want. I'm hopeful that when we come back from the winter break, now that they know they've been confirmed for a full season, they can they can say, all right, we've got... 12 more episodes, let's just pick up the pace and really tell a compelling story with this these remaining uh, 12 episodes. But, uh, Rod, do we have any listener questions in the chat? Um, I did not see anyone. Nope, no listener questions in the chat this week. Okay. I guess everyone enjoyed the uh, mid-season finale. And we did our jobs. We talked about everything they wanted us to talk about. We are geniuses, especially Blair. Yeah. And Rod's a sexy one. I do feel like so smart because um i did call mike peterson coming back man i called that shit early man like babe ruth pointing out the fucking center field (laughs) (laughs) well you know i'm gonna call graviton coming back because they they didn't hint at that at all don't you feel like that has to be the closing scene of season one? Is him busting out of that fucking... No, it can't be. Not, not unless they're going to cut back to that inner chamber and show his hand and his arm getting out over the course of several episodes. Because otherwise, at the end of the season, only hardcore fans will remember that. I don't know. I feel like they'll bring... You know, they hint. You'll hint towards it or something. Suddenly, we'll get a couple of... Uh, you know, well... What was the name of that facility they put him in? The vault was it the vault no the vault's in the comics i'm trying to remember what they called it in the in the show it wasn't the slingshot it was the like the sandbox or something sandbox sounds closer something like that well i feel like they'll do the prerequisite you know couple of allusions to the sandbox before that shit bust open man that would be fucking sweet all right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Agents of Shield cast. Uh, we will probably be putting out one or two episodes over the winter break. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what form those are going to take, what we what we might talk about, but we're, we're going to try and get at least one or two episodes out there. So we're not going completely away. You will at least have us to tide you over until uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns on January 7th, I believe is the date. So write in and let us know what you thought of this episode of the show, what you thought of the mid-season finale. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also leave us a voicemail through 336-793-2509. Uh, you can also subscribe to us through iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget to uh, nominate us for the 2013 Stitcher Awards. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you like the show, please write us a review. That helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the program. And if you'd like to find Financially support us. Uh, you can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking the donate button. Uh, you can also visit some of our affiliates, including Amazon, through our website. So if you need to do some Christmas shopping, head on over to filmgeekradio.com, 
uh, use that as the portal to Amazon, do your shopping, and we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend there. So you can uh, get some good Christmas presents for you and your family, and you can help us out at the same time. Don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, The Nerdy Projectors, and uh, The Briefing Room, which we're, we're just now wrapping up. That's our show all about the third season of Homeland. Uh, Blair Marnell, thank you very much for joining us again on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Where can people find more of you and your work? Well, I am the TV channel editor at Crave Online. I also host a podcast called The, the Idiot Box, which deals with all manners TV. Bibbs is an occasional guest host on that show as well. You can also find me on Twitter at Blair Marnell. Agent Rod Morrow, where can people find you? Don't worry about where you can find me. What you guys need to do is go find the B-Movie Podcast. Uh, <laughs> Thank you! William Bibiani and uh, Whitney Seibold. Uh, make sure you check them out, man. Last episode was Doctor Who versus the Beatles. And um, it's a much superior podcast to the Black Guy Who Tips. And uh, you guys should all be checking that. And to this very own podcast, as Bibbs has stated earlier, and you guys should all be on that already. All right. Anything else you'd like to plug? Nope, that's it. <laughs> Are you on Twitter? No? They don't care about that. They, they come here for the bibs, and I know my role. <laughs> at, at William Bibiani on Twitter for Rod. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Agent Bibbs, where can people find you? Uh, I agree. I also think you should be listening to the B-Movies podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter at William Bibiani. Uh, you can hear me on the radio on Friday mornings in Los Angeles at about 9.45 at KFWB News 980. Also, I have a web series starting Friday the 13th of December. It's going to run for 12 days. It's called The 12 Days of Kilmus, in which I and Shock Till You Drops Ryan Turek are reviewing Christmas-themed horror movies uh, for 12 days straight. We got a lot of surprises, a lot of sketches involved as well. Uh, I do hope you enjoy that. And uh, seriously, Rodimus has very good taste in podcasts. You, you, could, you could follow him, too, on his various tweetings and his <laughs> podcasts. I think you should. I think you should Google those because I don't have the – I'm worried I'll screw up the names if I do. <laughs> I'm, I would very much like to reciprocate your plugs, but I'm going to screw them up. So check him out at the Rodimus Prime Who Tips podcast. <laughs> Till all are one. Oh, you can find some of my film writing at moviemezzanine.com, and I also write about TV over at patheos.com. Uh, you can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including The Briefing Room, which is our Homeland show, and Cinema Fix, which is our weekly show all about blockbuster films. Uh, we've come out with our Catching Fire episode. Rod, you were on a few weeks ago for a heated debate about Thor 2. Yeah. Over the next few days, we'll be releasing our episode on Dallas Buyers Club, and I've got an interview with a great friend of mine, uh, Gareth Higgins. Uh, he, he's the guy who inspired me to study film. He's a fascinating individual. Aww. We've got that interview coming out later this week, so be sure to tune into that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew, and I hope that you will do so so we can keep talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all sorts of other stuff over the winter break. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Agents, disassemble! And assemble again. No, no, just kidding. (laughs) Disassemble. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.